Hi, I'm David Tadashore, HRN's lead engineer and studio manager. Before we get to this week's episode of Beer Sessions Radio, we wanted to update you on your host, Jimmy Carboni. Jimmy is currently recovering from two spinal surgeries due to a staph infection. He's in good spirits and being given great care at NYU Langone, but he has a long road to recovery ahead of him. If you'd like to show Jimmy some love and support, please consider contributing to his wellness fund at gofundme.com slash jimmywellnessfund. Jimmy is nothing if not a dedicated host, and he wanted to make sure we had a show for you this week. So we're bringing you an episode of Beer Sessions Radio that was recorded at Charleston Wine and Food in March of 2017. We hope you enjoy. Good morning and welcome back to Heritage Radio Network. It is our third and final day of live broadcasting from the Charleston Wine and Food Festival. Aww. But we have an amazing lineup today. We'll be going from noon to 5 Eastern, so please tune in, heritageradionetwork.org. You can see our full lineup at heritageradionetwork.org slash Charleston. Heritage Radio is a member-supported, nonprofit food radio station based in Bushwick, Brooklyn. And I'd like to say a big thank you to our sponsors today, Springer Mountain Farms Chicken and Big Green Egg. If you're on the festival grounds, please check out our teepee in the back of the Culinary Village. Just beside our teepee, Rusty Bowers is doing some incredible demos of chicken sausage on the Big Green Eggs. Come check it out. They're delicious. We are also doing a silent auction for a Big Green Egg Mini Max with a complete starter kit. So please come by, bid on that, support Heritage Radio Network. And with that, I would like to turn it over for a very special edition of Beer Sessions Radio. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio. This is a special show. It's March 5th, 2017. We're in Charleston, South Carolina. And I have to tell you, welcome to Charleston. Uh, this has been an amazing thing. We met um, the people that run the Charleston Wine Food Fest last fall with uh, Ted Nelson from Gumbo Marketing up in New York City. And uh, I feel a real privilege that they brought down the Heritage Radio Network crew. So and David's here, Kat and, and Katie. It's, it's very awesome. So we're going to be on for the next few hours with different guests. Um, we're going to talk about kind of local Charleston scene and the, the new breweries that are down here. We've got some chefs coming up from Georgia, and then we've got some uh, other chefs and brewers coming in. So, um, you know, my experience, it, it was a great day. I, I flew in uh, to Charleston yesterday, and uh, I oriented myself. And through some contacts in New York, I realized the first stop and the, the great stop that everyone should make on their way into Charleston is they should stop at Edmonds Oast out in what they call the uh, North Morrison area. So we got, we got the guys from here. You guys introduce yourselves. And we're going to talk about what you guys are doing and some really great places, part of the local Charleston scene. Yeah, thanks for that introduction. Uh, my name is Cameron Reed. I'm the brewer at Edmonds Oast. I've been with it since the beginning. And I'm Timmons Pettigrew. I'm the operations director uh, as of two months ago. So well, first just jumped on board. Let's talk about, so we're coming into the airport at Charleston. And the, the region that you guys are in, what is it called? North Morrison? North Morrison. It's the northern part of the peninsula. So it's a little bit further from downtown, which is nice because you have parking, you have access, you're not sort of fighting the traffic. Not that downtown Charleston isn't a beautiful place to be, but sometimes when you just want a beer or some food or whatever, it's nice to be able to come and park and get out and, you know. And it's, yes. it's really taken off in the last few years. Oh, yeah. There's a cluster of, of interesting places there. What are some of the other neighbors that you have that are doing great food and drink up there? Yeah, no, so what's really cool is when we opened, um, our, our facility was just a hardware store, and everything was sort of, like, defunct up there for the most part. There wasn't, there wasn't the, the boom of, um, of restaurants that you see now, but next door we have Home Team Barbecue. They just opened uh, a little while ago. John Lewis Barbecue. We have... Um, Butcher and Bee's new installation. We have Goat Sheep Cow. Um, Revelry Brewing Company is our neighbors. So it's, I mean, you can walk to all, all of that's in, you know, two minute walking distance from us. So it's a really cool, I call it a food campus. That was, it was, it was kind of Charleston living. I mean, we were, you have outdoor, like kind of covered barn. And, and, and that's what I love. It's like outdoor the drinking. Bower. Yeah, yeah. So we try to, I mean, one of the advantages we have in Charleston is it only gets really cold for maybe two months out of the year. 
So to have an outdoor seating area is such a such a boon if you can if you can fit it in. So we actually had a local guy um, build all of that hardwood for us offsite. He came in. There's no nails in that thing. The bower is what we're talking about. This giant wooden outdoor seating area. Um, seats probably about a hundred. Would you say hundred Timmons? Yeah, I think it's a hundred. Yeah. Yep. Um, plus our courtyard area. So we really try to take advantage of that. So tell me the backstory on on uh, Edmonds Oast. It's, oh, a, it's an interesting. It's like yeah. some kind of historical. Well, the name itself. Connection. Well, I'll turn that over to Timmons because he is sort of our resident beer historian for Charleston. But uh, yeah, it was named after guy Edmund Egan, and uh, an oast is a is an English um, hop drying kiln. But I'll, that's all I'll say about it. So yeah, Edmund Egan was a brewer um, the late 1700s down here. Kind of got the title the Rebel Brewer because he helped fund the revolution and. Um, had the largest uh, largest brewery in the area was very popular. Beer was getting exported to the northeast from here. Um, so yeah, we kind of took took his namesake as as part of the restaurant. And when you go to your website, the Edmonds O's website, there's a little backstory there. It was like 1760 or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had um, it was right downtown. I think he had about 10 people uh, working in the brewery. Um, but yeah, he was a, a huge supporter of the revolution, and so. Made sense to get them integrated into the name. And, well, and what's the oast? There, there's that term, the oast. So the, an oast is just um, an old school hop drying kiln, typically used in England. You still see them around today. A lot of them have been converted into houses. It kind of looks like a windmill without the without the fan on the top, you know. And it's just so they could put hops in there, and they would have a heat source underneath, so the hops would cure. You know, they would dry because hops are wet flowers when they're harvested, and they need to become more stable and dry out so they can be used in brewing. So You know, I'm definitely interested in the history of Charleston, culinary as well as beer. You know, this is the wine and food festival, but <laughs> I feel okay. like there's, you know, a, a rise of, of breweries now in this area. But again, tell us more about the history of Charleston area f- for breweries. And, and did you write a book about it as well? So tell us about that. Yeah, absolutely. I wrote a book called Charleston Beer, pretty obvious name. Uh, it came out about six years ago about the history of brewing in the area and modern brewing. At that time, there was really only four breweries to write about. Now we're well over 20, so it's definitely exploded. Uh, a lot of that has to do with some legal changes and stuff that happened with our state laws. The first brewery to open after Prohibition was Palmetto. That was 1993. Um, and then the next new brewery in the Charleston area wasn't until 2007. So we've seen the growth really spike in the last few years in the state and locally. You know, I, I tried some uh, Palmetto pills yesterday. I know David, our engineer, was drinking it at the hotel. Oh, it's good stuff. So th- so they were the first brewery since Prohibition. What happened from Prohibition to 1993 in South Carolina? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> as, Not a as lot far of as beer goes. Yeah. I mean, at, at the time when they opened, um, that's a great story of them trying to get funding and then working with the state. The state had no idea how to license a brewery. So they were, you know, hand-marking through restaurant licensing forms. It was a whole ordeal. But they really paved the way for everybody to come after and you guys brought some beer, too. Oh, yeah. You're going to tap it. We'll, we'll get some cups, and we'll, uh, yeah. we'll drink some beer, as, as we usually do on the show. Absolutely. So anything else about South Carolina going back to, you know, in 19th century, before Civil War? I mean, were there active breweries in Charleston? Sure, yeah. So, uh, and speaking of Palmetto, that was probably the other large uh, brewery. They were around from about the 1850s, uh, changed their name to Germania in the late 1800s, and um, they were done before Prohibition. South Carolina had Prohibition before the nation did, so... We were first to the punch. Uh, it was, when, when did you guys start Prohibition? Uh, I think it was 1960. Oh, it wasn't us. We didn't start Prohibition. You didn't start no, 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 no. You guys. Come on, man. But it's funny because, like, you know, we're talking, you know, we're from New York City. Everyone thinks it's really liberal and, you know, the drinking laws are, are pretty liberal. But you guys have a big connection to New York. It seems like you know all the New York brewers that I know. Well, we have a we try to stay in the beer scene. So we try to stay relevant. We try to stay, see who's doing what. Um, Scott Shore, who's the owner of Edmonds Oast, um, he is from Long Island along with his sister, Lauren Shore. Lauren owns a wonderful distributorship, Rafa distribu- uh, Distribution, which is South Carolina only right now. And then, um, yeah, so their connections, our friends, etc. I mean, it's, you know, it's just a cool, uh, it's a cool beer community to be in. Hey, can somebody get us some, some cups maybe from the Breville over there? This Breville, these guys are doing uh, coffee right here in our tent. This is the, uh, the TP Tent. Woo! Heritage Radio Network TP Tent live at Charleston Wine and Food. And Breville's over there. Thanks for the coffee, guys. That stuff They're going to give us some free cups so we can drink the beer. Yeah. But Edmonds Oast, man. So, yeah, Lauren Shore, I knew her. Her buddy, Ben Wood. Oh, nice. Glassware. Glassware oh, from uh, Stetzel. Wow. Oh. We have custom glassware here. It's going to make our beer taste food. all the better. Exactly. 
Uh, but Lauren Short was, you know, there's so many great traditions. She was working with Ben Wood when it was Van Berg and DeWolf, and I knew them yeah. in New York City, Jimmy's number 43. And that's that was our connection. Last week you guys had a festival, Brewvival. Right, yeah. That's been for six years now? How it's actually the eighth year. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Time flies. And our, our good buddies, I think Joe and Chris DeChico from DeChico's Markets yeah. were there and posted on Facebook, and they made the introduction for me. I yeah. didn't really know. That's why, other than Westbrook, I didn't really know much about your the, scene down here. Joe and Chris are the nicest guys in the world, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I had the fortune, uh, the good fortune to go to a couple of their markets uh, maybe about a year ago up in New York. And it's shocking. I'm sure you know this more than anyone. Um, you know, when you go to uh, their... Thank you. When you go to their... Um, Just going to pour some beers for yeah, us. Yeah, no, no, no. Please do. Yeah, Gilded first. That would be good. Um, when you go to their stores, you would expect it just to be sort of a, you know, just a kind of a badass supermarket. But then you go to the beer section, and it's just astounding. Uh, one of their markets, I can't remember which one, uh, we go up, go up a flight of stairs, and we're sort of, of a, on a mezzanine above the market itself. And it's just more beers than you can shake a stick at. They have a... Um, thank you, Timmons. Um, they have a bar up there. I mean, it was it's killer. So, anyway... Now New York's New York's come a long way with with their uh, you know beer laws and um, you know there's grocery stores that have beer bars in them now and it's nice seeing that you guys are are going in that direction. So tell Edmonds oh so last night I got in sat at the outdoor bar was welcomed by our good buddy uh, what, what was the bar Tavner Tavner yeah so it was pleasant that he actually knew who I was he'd been to Jimmy's number forty three a lot in New York City yeah so we had a great time I tried the stewed pole beans cool. I had the spring onions dish. And uh, I was drinking your IPA a, a lot, and well, I really thanks, enjoyed man. it. Much appreciated. Yeah, we have about a dozen beers on tap now. They, um, it sort of changes. We make all kinds of stuff, uh, light to dark to sour to not sour, barrel-aged, funky, weird, whatever, you know, sort of whatever our whim is. We brought out the easy-drinking stuff first. This beer that we have in our glasses is called Gilded. So it's a Belgian-style table beer, uh, about 3.7% alcohol by volume, so hopefully a day-drinking kind of beer, because it is noon right now. It's my first beer of the day. Hey, man, cheers. I had love yeah. the Breville coffee, but at some point, huh. my stomach says, I need beer, guys. Absolutely. Uh, well, hopefully this will ease you right back into it. I don't know if you're like me, but last night, you know, some of the fringe events for Charleston Food and Wine, uh, let's just say, probably stayed out a little past my bedtime. So you guys, as locals, what, what did you do in context of the... Charleston Wine and Food Festival. You go to uh, certain events, after parties. You mean just for fun? I mean, last night, so we're opening up a, a larger brewery, so there's sort of not a lot of time to go out as much as, as I would like right now. But uh, I did make it to Faculty Lounge, which is a local Charleston bar. I can't recommend that place enough. Locals could could know, you say it one more time? Yeah. Faculty Lounge. Faculty Lounge. Faculty Lounge. And then our head bartender, Jace McConnell, was doing a uh, collaborative event with um, Kimball House from Decatur, Georgia. And so they did sort of a bar takeover over there. And it was, whew, <laughs> it was a good time. What did, you, what did they serve? Was it cocktails? Was oh, it it's cocktails. Beers? Yeah, a lot of different cocktails. Um, lot, I mean, just a flurry of different ones with, you know, cocoa syrup and coffee syrup and rum and pineapple and, I mean, probably about a dozen, you know, or so. You having flashbacks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, uh, uh, my stomach shuddered a little bit when I started naming the ingredients. So you're from this area? I'm from, I'm from the upstate of South Carolina, which is about three hours away from here. Um, I moved here. I went to college here, and then I tried to get in the beer business, and I failed miserably. Finally eased my way in, and I started working for Scott Shore at his retail store in Greenville. We were going to open Edmund's Oast. I moved down here to be the beer buyer and brewer and beer dude. So, Where did you learn to brew? Uh, around. <laughs> um different breweries you know i sort of go to and hang out and talk to brewers i was an avid home brewer since i was 20 uh i read a lot of books talked to a lot of people i mean just you know immersed myself so. since it's just you guys let's talk more about beer so this is the gilded so this is gilded yeah this is one of our uh i'd say one of our more popular beers um it's really easy drinking that's it's something that we you can give people so it still has a lot of flavor so if you smell it you taste it just like wine uh, it probably has some melon notes to it, some banana notes, maybe even some strawberry notes. 
Um, but like I said, it's only 3.7. It's not bitter. It's not sour. It's not aggressive. It's really easy drinking. You know, can, even though this is the wine festival, uh, I did see there was a craft beer village here. So oh, yeah, do you I feel like that, that Charleston's? Yeah. What are some places to get good beer besides Edmonds Oaks? Because oh. do you feel like it's it's coming up as a craft beer town? Absolutely. I mean, Timmins, you can probably name a ton of local breweries and just. There's so many I can't honestly can't keep up anymore. But there's there's probably 25 now. Um, and so we're opening a production brewery a little north of the restaurant on King Street. And just within that area, there's going to be three others popping up right around us. Uh, so it, it's growing exponentially. And yeah. the city's thirsty. Everyone's doing business. Everyone's expanding. It's in a, we're in a good place right now. Yeah. I mean, you guys have Westbrook on later, right? Westbrook Brewing yeah. Company. So Westbrook, uh, we talked about Revelry. We talked about Palmetto. Holy City. I'm going to leave yeah, out some Morgan, posts. Morgan Westbrook's going to be on at around 2 o'clock today. Oh, she's great. If you're listening, guys. Yeah. And this is a great party. So this is the locals' day. We're in the Culinary Village, which is a Marion Square in the heart of old old Charleston. Um, you know, this is a really cool place. Oh, it's beautiful, and it's a perfect time of year, too. I mean, it's, what is it now, March? <laughs> Are we in March? Um, yeah, and it's, I mean, it's just a little bit chilly outside, which is nice. This is about as nice as it gets in Charleston. I think it's, it's really hard to beat this weather. You come in the summer, and it's just blazing hot which some people love, some people hate. The good news is we have the beaches, so you go and you cool off and, you know. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a beautiful place, historical, um, you know, gorgeous. Do you think that there's a cultural divide in consumers in this area between wine drinkers and beer drinkers, or do you think more people are, are getting turned on to craft beer? Well, one of the fun things about our place, Edmunds Oast, is that we aren't, Excuse me. We aren't just a brewery. We aren't just a beer bar. We have, um, we give attention to every beverage program or every beverage that we serve equally. So we really love beer, but we really love wine, and we really love spirits, and we love cocktails and etc. and coffee and everything else. So I think there is a crossover. I think we're trying to, I don't know, explore that crossover as much as possible. Um, one of the things that I like about our crew, you know, Timmons included, and uh, our wine buyer, Brandon Underwood, and Scott Shore, the owner, and, I mean, just about everyone who works there, is that we are just a bunch of beverage nerds. It's not that we only like beer, that we only like wine, but we'll get in a cool batch, you know, a bottle of beer, something, we'll talk about it and drink it and say, oh, man, this is really cool, or we get really, we nerd out on the cocktails that Jace is making, or whatever, you know what I mean? So, I mean, I think people who enjoy good stuff, you know, food, drink, I think the crossover is natural. I think people just get a little... It's easy to stay in your comfort zone, you know? And some people are saying, oh, no, I just just like wine or I just like beer or whatever. But I think once people give whatever their respective beverage is not a chance... I'll tell you, right now, it's it's almost like 12, 15 or so. Festival is just kicking off local day here. Charleston Wine and Food Fest. You can hear the music playing. You know, across from us, there's a Williams-Sonoma demo. We've got the Big Green Egg. Our sponsors are outside cooking away. And I'm having a great time with you guys. Let's talk about food. So, oh. you know, low country. I'm not going to get into to, 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 uh, Charleston food trivia with you guys. But in terms of the menu, that we will later, though. We have some trivia coming up. Oh, fun. I have some tough questions. If you Do your homework. Look up Chef Bill Neal, who was one of the first kind of Charleston low country chefs that, that took some classics and uh, tur- turned, the, turned the knob up. But um, at your place, I, I was really surprised and, and encouraged by the food. I felt like you guys yeah. did really represented low country food. And, uh, and tell us what it is. Is it stewed pole beans? And talk about some of the, the menu items and the influences on your menu. Well, our, our chef, Reed, I'm going to say his last name wrong because it's I do that. Hininger? Am I saying that right, Tim? Oh, that's perfect. Hininger? Reed Hininger, our head chef. Timmons, uh, Tavner. Timmons, Tavner, Reed, Reed Cameron. Yeah. Sure. Underwood, old time. We're complicated. Yeah, we got a crew. Edmunds Oast. Edmund, God, I tell you, the worst thing is when we have to set up accounts. You know, we're going to buy hops or something, and then, you know, okay, what's the name of your company? Edmunds Oast. Excuse me, can you say I'll just spell it. It's fine. It's fine. Oats? No, it's Oast. Just, you're going to have to trust me on this one, you know. <laughs> but well, it's a different culture here, right? I mean, you've got different food culture. you got different right. names. No, well, so what's really cool and what Reed does at our Timmons. place, Timmons, uh, is in what his guys do. I mean, it's a it's a culinary team back there in the in the kitchen. You know, one of the things that they're big on, which sounds 
almost cliche now, but it's such a, such a cool thing, is that they're sourcing from local farms. So the pigs that we get in for our charcuterie are relatively locally raised pigs on locally raised produce. The fish is caught off the South Carolina coast. You know, the, the vegetables are from farms in Charleston. I mean, it's, it's all right here. And, you know, we don't advertise it that much. We're not, you know, we're not, not that there's anything wrong with this, but we don't say that we're a farm-to-table restaurant or you, something You guys, like what, that. the best food I had in Charleston was at Edmund's Oast. Oh, well, thank it you. It really there's... was. It was because of what I wanted and expected. Tell me about the stew. I'm getting the stewed pole beans. I haven't had that I don't know if, well, it's, it's, it's like these fatter beans. Mm-hmm. They're stewed, but there's little pieces of, of pork in there. Well, that's how you make greens taste good is you add meat. So, <laughs> just are, kidding. Are pole beans a bean or are they more of a green? Well, they're green, right? They're green, yeah. Yeah, that's what counts. <laughs> so you cook them like greens. Make anything healthy taste better. So basically with, you with took pork. the beans, yeah. you cooked them like collard greens with a little bit of meat. Right. I, you know, and I can't speak to Reed's process on that. But, yeah, I mean, um, I know one of the things he likes to talk about. He'll, he shares with the staff some of his food philosophy every once in a while, and it's just so cool to hear. Um, he loves to make a vegetable the star of the plate. You know, so he'll make a composed dish around, say, roasted cauliflower, and you don't even real, you don't even, you know, you're not waiting for the meat, you're not missing the meat, you're not missing anything. I mean, it's a full. Um, Total beer number two. Beer number, yeah. Um, you know, you know, I mean, it's such a. Got to catch up, Cam. Oh God, sorry, I'm talking too much. No, you're good. I'm, I'm, I want to know more too about your, you know brewing history because before 1993, what what did people drink for beer in in uh, South Carolina? Just the big brands? Miller Coors, man. Oh. Well, no, no Miller, right? That was probably, I don't know when they came across the Rockies or the Mississippi. Anyway, but yeah, I don't know. But th- those are the brands that shall be in ni- unnamed. We can't name those brands. I mean, in 93, I was eight, so I wasn't drinking too much. You know, a little bit. Little Coors. That, my dad's a Coors Light guy, actually. Yeah, the Silver Bullet. So that was my first beer. Cheers, man. Yeah, it's awful. So more, more about, uh, you know, low country cooking. Um, you know, what are some places that, that, that I would go in Charleston that represent, you know, what oh, people think of as Charleston? Yeah, I'm going gonna, gonna to rattle off some names. Um, and I, if anyone's listening and I leave someone out, my apologies. The thing is, I think anyone who knows Charleston, anyone who comes to Charleston, is immediately overwhelmed by the amount of talented chefs, good food, places to eat around here. Um, you know, one of the ones that gets a lot of attention, obviously, is Husk, McCrady's, the Sean Brock thing um monero i mean absolutely spectacular uh spectacular food mike lotta at fig the ordinary you can't do better than those uh in my mind um but there's a lot of new places opening up too and a lot of sort of places that you might not think about that just have really excellent whatever they're doing um one of my favorites i'll sneak out for lunch every once in a while go to siabao biscuit which is a asian inspired place it's just they're mapu dofu, right? Szechuan peppercorns, tofu. It's a restorative. It's a healing bowl of tofu. Mouth-numbing. Yeah, mouth numbing. Exactly, exactly. Tim's getting excited. It, I'm getting hungry too. Have you guys been around the, the festival yet? Is there anything I should eat today? Oh, I haven't. No, this is our first time. Uh, this is our first time in this area. Where should we go? Well, I, I don't know yet. I just got it. <laughs> trying to figure out, but the different guests we have today. I know we, we got some guys from Paw Paw Restaurant and uh, Prohibition Bar coming on at some point. And then we got some chefs coming from uh, some Georgia. If uh, Paw Paw comes in or Prohibition, we'll, we'll get to sit with them. Cool. Um, you know, more food. So seafood down here. Oh, yeah. Uh, last night I was at the Darling Oyster Bar downtown, and I had little, little neck clams, which in the north are usually bigger. They were very small and delicate. Um, is all the seafood from around here I that, that so. you get in most places? Yeah, I would hope so. Um, I know a lot of the oysters that I nerd out over, at, like the ordinary or um, wherever, do come from different places around the country. But uh, yeah, I mean a lot of the a lot of the seafood I know comes off the coast. But again, it's each chef and their process. Our oyster season are the months with an R. So any month that doesn't have an R, that oyster's probably from somewhere else, but still carefully selected at a place like Darling, you know, you get good so stuff. So months with the R. Correct. Okay. Oh, I got that backwards. So you got March. Mm-hmm. But it's cold. Ah. So you got September to March. And April, right. too, right? April. April. Then May, you might not want it. I was wondering about, you know, you know Southern American oysters and shellfish, because, again, I'm from New England, so we have... You know, Massachusetts, Maine, and even a lot of stuff from Canada, and, and it stays cold. But but still, they say the summer months, you're not supposed to get them. But yeah. 
I usually end up getting little neck clams and other things, lobsters. Mm. Um, I love seafood. There's something called the, the Carolina the muddle. Have you ever had that? The Carolina muddle? Muddle. You're, ma- you're putting over on us. I'm getting this is back to Bill Neal and some low country food history. Hmm. It's going to be on our trivia questions later. Oh. Carolina muddle. Little hint. But, uh, that's you know, new to me, yeah. I'll give you a hint. A hint. It's got some, uh, it's one of those kind of old school just stews. Oh. You got some some stuff from the sea and some stuff from pork. Like a low country broil kind of thing? Something Boil. like that. Not too much seasoning. Mm. And, and are there any special like flavors that, are, that happen down here? Like, is there spicy food? Is there lemongrass? You know, is there a certain type of flavor that, that, that you guys use or is it more about fresh and local? I think one of the awesome things about seeing food evolve down here is it's become more than just southern inspired and i love southern food i'm from south carolina but there's not just one style of cuisine i mean cam mentioned zaba biscuit that's uh one of my favorite places as well but that's a stellar asian place i mean there's sort of whatever you like we've got a good version of i don't know if everything is the right word but there's a lot of variety it's not we're not all kind of running down the same lane with food i like to make i like to make fun of the grain nerds as i call them which I say that with the most endearing, um, you know, way I can. I'm kind of a little bit tuned to that because as a brewer, we use grains to make beer. So, you know, whenever we can make beer with local grains or something, it's fun for us. It's nice. It's, you know, to connect back to your, uh, to the land a little bit. But, you know, Anson Mills up in Columbia, you know, they're taking a lot of heirloom grains and things and sort of re-making them sexy again, if you will. And you know? Name a few of the grains that they're using. I mean... I, corn, barley, corn. wheat. Jimmy Red yeah, corn. No. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Carolina gold rice they brought back. I mean, they're, they're reviving these heirloom varieties of seeds that were lost um, and replanting them and repopulating them, and it's very cool. So you're tasting what food probably tasted like, you know, when that was really, there's really a lot of rice plantations. I like that, guys. Cheers to that. Cheers. Culinary and beer history, guys. Yeah. So for you guys at the, at the brewery, are you using you know, just regular barley or are you using... Any uh, South Carolina-grown grains or malts? Yeah, absolutely. We, um, we've we done both. So, you know, I like to get some good English grains in, some good German grains in for our lager beers and that kind of thing. But Lagers? Lager It has to be a perfect pilsner. Um, We're just getting but, warmed up, kids. But uh, Trust us. Hang out, hang out for the next hour. It's going to get livelier. Um, but, yeah, so there's a great... Beer number two. <laughs> Wait till we get to number three. It's going to get really weird. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, David. Yeah. David wants a Palmetto Pills. Give me that Palmetto Pills for the engineer. We have a whole growler of Gilded with your name on it, man. It's right here. You can, any anytime. Yeah. Um, so, well, there's It's a, called a on-air lubrication. That's right. Right? That's right. Doesn't sound right, but. It's not quite Palmetto Pills, but, you know, it's golden. David Tatashore, engineer. <laughs> so, uh, grains, grains in your beer. Yeah, so there's a really cool malt house right outside of Asheville, North Carolina called Riverbend that we buy from uh, time and again. They've taken North Carolina varieties of wheat and rye, and they've taken Virginia barley, and they malt it to their specifications. They toast it in-house, um, and they sell it to brewers. And their flavors that you get from their, from their grain, they're not like the stuff you get from Germany. It's not like the stuff you get from England. It's not like the stuff you get from Wisconsin. You know, it's very specific to them, and it gives it a very specific character. It's a little bit. Of, it can be challenging to brew with sometimes, but that's what makes it fun. You know, but we did a um, God. Actually, there's another. So Geechee Boy, are you familiar with Geechee Boy no, Mills? No. It's this local mill, right? And um, I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head, but he revived a type of rye called Seashore Rye, right? And so we get this stuff, and he just brings some over to us. He's like, you want to make a beer with it? It's like, yeah, of course. So to use it in the brew house, we have to do this really sort of gnarly method where we cook the ever-living snot out of it and, uh, you know, sort of turn it into hot napalm, basically, and uh, add it to the beer. Um, But, again, the flavor you get from it and through that process is just sort of a kind of a ride depth that I think is hard to get otherwise. Is your brewery set up to do small batches like that, experiment yeah. with different grains? So I know some bigger breweries don't want to just do a one-off batch with a, an unproven kind of local malt. Yeah. Well, we can do effectively right now, we can do three sizes. We can do ten, if we're really worried about some, we can do ten gallons so that's nothing, right? Which our little pilot system. Or we can do five barrels, which is ten kegs. Or we can do ten barrels, which is twenty kegs. So yeah, we're we're a very flexible little brewery. 
And that's about to change. That's the, the brewery that's actually part of the restaurant, which is technically, in South Carolina, you call it a brew pub. That's a legal definition. But production brewery is going to be much larger. Oh, yeah. We're, um, knock on wood, we're a couple months out from firing up our, uh, our big 30-barrel brewery right up, from, right up the road. So you'll get Edmonds. O- yeah. Thank you. Thank you. They like it. Breville guys like it. Yeah. Uh, Breville sounds like a brewery, too. I guess they're brewing coffee, right? Well, without coffee, there would be no beer. I think that's the that's the takeaway. Well, you need the coffee yeah. to get started in the morning. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, we you know without when we run out of coffee, you might as well just shut the doors. You know, talk you about know? locals again. I'm, I'm gonna give a big shout out too from the era of like 70s and 80s when Charleston restaurants were really you know picking up, getting attention. Great chef John Taylor. He is at the festival this weekend. I knew him because um, years ago he. he uh, found some guys growing heirloom corn on a mountain in Georgia, and he, he sells the chefs, you know, kind of direct mail. Uh, some really great. It's called Hop and John's Grits. I don't know if you ever heard of that. Um, Sounds familiar. But um, I, like, I like the idea of heirloom, heirloom, you know, local corns and mm-hmm. things. But he's a chef that's here today too. We know a lot of other chefs that are here, like Billy Durney from Hometown Barbecue, and New York City just told me he's down here. Uh, Jean Paul Bourgeois, who's from Louisiana. He's a New York City chef at Blue Smoke. He's around. I think tonight the big, big event also, it's called Toasted. It's like at the old cigar factory uh, n- not too far from here. It's oh, is that be, the closing it's event? It's the closing event with barbecue chefs. Oh, cool. So I think if you've got a badge, you, you, you can go to that. So we're going to try to hit that How do we get a way. badge? Well, you've got to you know, <laughs> talk to the event director, Aaron, who's, who's a good buddy. Uh-huh. So um, let's keep going. So let's, that's the second beer. That's the second one. So this is a- I already finished it. You're, no, you're doing good. There's um, more. Yeah. But these custom, like Charleston Wine and Food custom glassware from a fancy glass company. I like it. So. It makes it taste that much better. So this is uh, one of our IPAs that we do pretty, uh, pretty regularly. It's called Bound by Time. Cheers. Cheers. Uh, and that just references, you know, to a degree that when you make an IPA and you put hops in it, it's such a delicate thing at that moment, you know, kind of like a butterfly. Um, if you... Um, you know, if you don't drink it quickly, if you don't treat it well, if you don't get, if you don't speed up that process, then the beer really falls off quickly. So you're sort of bound by time, if you will, when you make an IPA. Um, but yeah, so about six percent alcohol by volume this batch. Um, super tropical, fruity, orange. You know, all the juicy flavors that you want. And uh, last night the IPA on tap at Edmonds O's. It was, was probably that? this same one. Yeah, you're probably doing the same. I liked thing. it. I, re- I really well, did like it, man. Yeah. So let's talk about you guys have New York connections. I, I've didn't realize how close Charleston was to New York City. You make my it sound like we're was, in the mafia, man. My flight was less than two hours. The, the, the pilot got on the plane and says, well, the good news is our, our flight's 30 minutes shorter than expected, which I've never heard. And then he made a joke. He says, the bad news is it's 25 degrees and windy, <laughs> which is what New York was. But it was 60 degrees when we got here. Yeah. It's beautiful this time of year. Mar- it is about 25 degrees in New York today. Oh, so. that sounds absolutely terrible. That's why my throat is like this. But yeah. talk about New York City connections. So you guys have... Uh, different brewers. I know Yepe from Evil Twin Yepa, used to come yeah. down a lot and, and make beer out of Westbrook, which is mm-hmm. just across the way in Mount Pleasant. Yeah, we've done a collaboration beer with Yepa. Uh, we did it actually, I think that was served first at the, our food and wine dinner like two years ago or something. I think that's right. Yeah, something like that. Um, but yeah, he's a, he's a good friend. He's a funny guy. He's probably one of the funniest brewers that I've met. He makes exce- They make exceptional beer. Um, yeah, just really cool. I mean, New York's just such a cool-ass place. I don't know if I could live there. I don't know if I could afford to live there. But um, anytime I can visit... I can't visit, afford to live there. No, no, God. Uh, but anytime I can visit the See, islands... See, my, my jacket's got fray, frays oh, and, you know, my shoes have holes in them. I'm like the New York City popper. Yeah, hey, man, I'm with you, you know. Uh, but visiting is killer. I mean, I'd, if I could, I'd spend a, a month there out of the year and just... I mean, it's Come up such and do a... a brewery tour. Yeah, I mean, just walking around, I mean, it's such a different atmosphere than Charleston. I mean, we take this for granted, you know, the trees and the green and the sky and the, you know, the low build. I mean, there's a law, maybe you can speak to this, Simmons, there's a law in Charleston that you can't have a building above a church steeple. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, that's where the Holy City name comes from. Right, right. And I I think we're starting to probably get close to that limit with some of these hotels that are coming up. But the skyline is mainly church steeples. So that's where the Holy City moniker. So more Charleston, you know, general info. So you you say it's... There's a nickname, the Holy City. Yeah, the Holy City. And what else? This, this is the low country. Does that mean the land's low? Or is there yeah, any? it's a lower elevation, so we're kind of close to sea level. That's Charleston, Beaufort, Hilton Head. That would all be sort of low country, sort of the bottom right-hand corner on a map. What are some other things that, that I should know about Charleston? Um, 
the Holy City. I didn't know it was cool. There's yeah. Holy City Brewing, isn't there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they've actually kind of, they, they have sort of a skyline as part of their brewery logo, and you see those church steeples. That's what it comes from. Oh, that makes sense. I get that now. See? I didn't, yeah, I didn't know that. And how did you guys get palm trees? That's, we imported I feel like them. I'm in Italy or something. Yeah. It's like somewhere between Mexico and Italy. There's like sun, there's a breeze off the water. You really bring in the, the palm trees yourself? Is that part of what you guys are doing? I have an, I have an import company, palm the br- tree the import brewery, company. The uh, brewery yeah. connection. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's our New York connection. We know a guy, he's got palm trees. Comes from Italy, they're very good. They're very good palm trees. <laughs> and then you got Ash Wednesday. What, what's the thing they do? Palm Sunday, right? So you oh, got holy city, you need the palms for no, Palm Sunday? No, that's Catholicism, man. That's it's, different. We're very Protestant down here. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't, you don't put palms on the street and have your... <laughs> I don't, I Holy don't relics carried to church. I don't know what we're talking about. No, anymore. I don't know. What, oh, yeah. <laughs> I got, I got oh, excited. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back away. <laughs> back away slowly. No religion and no politics on this show. Okay, fair. We can talk about beer politics. So the, the other big uh, law that changed uh, about five years ago in uh, South Carolina, what was that? Because you went from having no breweries to having breweries, right. but you, there was something holding you guys back. Well, the, what was the law? The first kind of bridge to cross was pop, what we called Pop the Cap. Uh, that happened here a couple years after it did in North Carolina. They had a similar name for it. Um, but the, the highest ABV a beer could have in the state was about 6.25%. Um, and that was just a relic of old laws that had to be changed. If, you know, if you're a brewer and you want to have any kind of variety, you need you know, something stronger than that. So that was 2007. And the Coast Brewing crew, uh, Jamie Tenney specifically, was very instrumental in getting that passed. They opened in 2007 that same year. Um, then the next probably three or four, okay, you can have strong beer, but you can't taste beer at a brewery. So why would you ever go? So then we had a tasting bill that would allow you to taste four four-ounce samples. Then we had a pint bill that would allow you to order a pint. And it's sort of slowly dragging the state out of the Stone Age uh, of brewing. So. There's, there's still some more bridges to cross, but you can go to a, a brewery as an adult and drink a pint of beer like a normal person. I mean, we're, we're doing good Bless things. Yeah. What about, used to be able to what do about that. beer sales to go? Like in New York, pretty much anyone with any kind of beer license, you can buy a growler beer to go. Even if you're a, a grocery store, you, you can buy cans of beer to go. Can you do that at, at your brew pub? Yeah, the old, so not at a brew pub. Um, we can no, I'm gra- lying to you. You're you, right. Yeah, you can get growlers to go to brew pub. Theoretically, you can get bottles to go to brew pub. But as the law stands right now, if you're a regular old brew pub, you can't sell to a wholesaler and we can't sell to retailers. So we're only limited to sales outside of our, our inside our own walls, rather, if that makes sense. And then when you open your production brewery, we'll what be license is that on? What, what's, how is that going to be different? Well, <laughs> so that's a, a brewery and a brew pub have that distinction of brew pub you can sell within your four walls, brewery you can distribute. In this state, you still have to go through a distributor, so we have a three-tier system that's mandated. You can, as a, as a customer, come and buy beer to go, but I think you're still limited to 288 ounces, which is like a case uh, yeah. per person per day. Cam, you know, I know you're laughing about it, but I think that in this country, one thing that good is happening is that state by state, everyone's getting that beer is good for business. Mm-hmm. People Absolutely. like beer, and all the, all the, all oh, the yeah. laws are being rolled out. You know, New York did it, and it sounds like it's happening here, too. Yeah, man. So cheers to... Uh, Cheers. Beer laws and rolling them out. Who likes beer? I do. Come on. We're going to give away an I Like Beer t-shirt, too, in a a little bit. So we're going to give away one an hour. So Nice. The custom made in New York City. Designer Daniel Birch at Big Spokes. (laughs) Check him out on Instagram. Nice plug. All right. Are we ready for the last beer? Let's do it. Okay. Don't say last beer because this is only my third beer. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. We're not not done yet. Maybe some of our guests can come up and try some, too, you guys. Yeah, we got You want to come up and try uh, some of the Edmunds Oast? You got to get a glass, though. I wouldn't pour them this one, Timmons. This is a special beer only for... Uh, this is for us, and you give him the uh, Gilded. <laughs> You're going to take David's growler and start passing it out? Can't do that to David. So before we drink this one, I need you to know this is honestly one of the weirdest beers we've ever made. So brace yourself for flavor. Yeah. But you guys, come on up. He's, he's going to pour you the other one to you. Just line up here and, uh, you know, might as well have some fun. This is a live show. So when, before you get the beer, give him that mic, Timmons. You guys have to say your name and, and what town you're from. So I can hear, I want some local color or tourist color. So say your name, where you're from. Steve from Merle's Inlet. All right. Ooh, Merle's Inlet. I had a girlfriend from Merle's Inlet. From Merle's Inlet. All right, yeah. now you guys get beer. So you got to say your name to get beer. You want me to hold your glass? You keep talking, Cam. So laws and uh, beer laws. Oh, the fun stuff. Um, We're going to go Foss for everybody? No, no, go Gilded. Okay. Holy God, don't give them that. Trying to protect oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> got to protect you from no, the beer no, laws, no. man. 
we, <laughs> we want to leave with a good taste in your mouth. What, what's the one that we're drinking, Ken? So this is a really odd beer. So there's an old Slavic style of beer called Kvass, K-V-A-S-S, right? And so what that was way back when, theoretically, I wasn't around again, but what I've read and what I've heard is that they would take bread and they would add water. And they would let it Next guy, say your name, where you're from. We'll keep talking. Yeah, yeah. We can talk. We can have two people talking at once on this one. I'm Shay Hester, and I'm from right here in Charleston. All right, man. Nice. Nice. Um, what you guys are drinking, not what we're drinking, what you guys are drinking is Gilded. It's a Belgian-style table beer. Really light, refreshing, fruity. Should be perfect for day drinking, in my mind. What's your name, man? Uh, I'm Sarah, and this is my husband, Seth. Yep. And we're from Charleston, and we love Edmonton. Oh, thanks, All guys. Right. Welcome. So kvass. So yeah. So they would take bread and add water and basically make kind of a homemade hooch, if you will. Uh, typically, it was rye bread, and then they would flavor it with things like mint and raisins sometimes and beets. So what we did is we found a local one of our one of the coolest bakeries ever, um, Root Baking Company here in Charleston, South Carolina. Chris Wilkins is the guy's name. He makes some killer freaking bread. Go buy his stuff. Um, but we started talking about this, and he baked us a rye bread. We took that rye bread, we added it to oak barrels, we put beer into the oak. We didn't add any brewer's yeast, we only added the culture that he uses to get his starter, go- to get his like, dough going. It was going. like a live bread. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but, no, bread. he gave us a big jug of this stuff. It was just like an amorphous... Have you seen Ghostbusters 2? You know the slime? It was like that. Yeah, so we added that to the barrel. It's not and, Ghostbusters 1, but... Ah, oh, Jesus. And we... I'm a radio guy, I don't I'm watch leaving. movies. Yeah. Oh, Cheers. Cheers. Cheers to the kvass. Cheers. And so we added that. Uh, we let it ferment really rapidly. This is only 2.6% alcohol by Vaughn. But when you taste it, it's got a lot of acidity to it, so it's pretty sour. Um, Tim and... Oh, we have another beer. Hello, Mary Nisbet from Charleston. Yeah. Right. Woo! So, no, no, right, right. Of Charleston. Love Charleston. But, um, so... We added this stuff, ferment it really quickly. It's Timmons doesn't like it when I say this. It kind of is like pickled bread in a way. Like this to me tastes kind of like pickled bread. We only have a little bit of it. I don't know if we'll ever, ever be able to make it like we did this again. But in my mind, it's super refreshing. Wait, you got to get, get... What's your name, man? Patricia. Let's see, okay. Patricia, Patricia from... Patricia from... Charleston. Woo. Is it of Charleston or from Charleston? Eh. Of Charleston. I of Charleston. Yeah. Same, same. Um, but you know, anyway, you, you gave me a warning on this beer. I thought it was gonna be really strong. I can't well, believe it's only two point seven percent. Strong flavored. It's there's sour. M- yeah, there's so more flavor than big beers. Yeah, absolutely. It's just got a lot of acidity, which is getting real sexy in brewing so, these days. So you are able to do some experimental batches. Oh, we use some weird beers. Is absolutely. this a one batch beer? Yeah, we made. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Never making it again. Yeah. Uh, no, I love it. I love this. It's just it's as you. It's probably not the one that's going to fly off the shelves the quickest, but that's okay. We made, you know, uh, sort of a half batch of it, and the people who love it absolutely adore it, and we're, we're quite proud of it. I'm not sure if it's still on, but we did a cask of this with mint and raisins added, which sounds like a terrible idea. It was outrageously good. it was good. really good. It was re- somehow mint, raisin, and pickled bread just freaking work. Don't say pickles. No, I think Stop we should do a, we should do a trivia and give away one of these T-shirts. Wait a second, hold that for me. Hold I got on. one hand on my mic. I, I can't what juggle. Okay. And uh, I think we got some uh, founder or some important person coming on soon. We're from Edmonds Oast. Uh, the yeah. fest chair we're going to bring on in a minute, but Mr. Festival Chair, come on up. We're going to you guys stay with us and everybody. What? Come on and say your name. Sit right here next yeah. to us here. Oh yeah. And uh, you get the good get him an extra mic. Hey man. While we're talking, Charleston first. Um, here, Timmons, hold this up. This is one of our uh, original Beer Sessions Radio t-shirts that we made Thank for you. the festival. We hold that up for people. We're going to do a little trivia question and give one away. But uh, let's give him an extra mic. Yeah, here you Grab go. Grab that. And... Uh, Thank you so much for coming, sir. Please say your name, because we love this festival. Uh, we really appreciate your being back here again this year. My name is Randall Goldman. I'm the uh, board chairman for the Charleston Wine and Food Festival, and can't think of better guys to be sitting next to at this time in the morning than you two, so you. loved uh, listening to you guys uh, talk about the craft that you guys do. You're really one the best in Charleston, so it's nice to be sitting here with you. Yeah. So, you know, you, you guys have come so far, so tell us the origins of the festival. I know it's grown a lot. It has. You know, today, uh, this uh, five-day period is our 12th anniversary. Uh, We had over 350 chefs from the local area uh, and from outside, 115 events over the five days. And if you look out at this weather, it just could not be any better. It's not a white cloud in the sky. 
So you guys are representing the best of Charleston, but also your team, I mean, they were in New York in the fall, and I met them. They're out there recruiting chefs from New York and Portland, Oregon, and you've got wines here from Italy and, and, and Oregon. You know, what do you attribute the success to? There's, there's no other festival like this in the country, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Thank you very much. Honestly, it really kind of goes to the, I think, the ethos of the, of the community and, and, and the city at large. Um, we are very much an, an open-arm uh, city. That's kind of how we were first founded way back, is uh, uh, people re- escaping somewhere else, uh, wanting to start something new. And so very, very welcoming uh, to everybody. It's everybody from the gas station attendant to, you know, the checkout person at the grocery store. It's just, I think we're all just kind of inbred uh, with Southern culture and hospitality. What are some of your local favorites here? Now, it's my first time in Charleston. Edmunds Oast, actually. Edmunds Oast. Yeah, right here. So, big shout out. Edmunds Oast. What I loved about it, it was the intro to, to a welcoming Charleston because it turns out that the bartender, Tavner, knew of my bar from, from New York City. And then when I needed to get a car into the city, he said Uber. And I said, you know what? I want a local option. And he gave me the number for Green City Taxi, who's been driving me around the whole weekend. So, I, I love those local connections. Um, anything else? A couple of local connections that you want to recommend you know i, I would to meet uh, truly the crew and everybody who made this festival happen i would strongly suggest going up uh, to toasted this evening at the cigar factory at six o'clock um but you know there's local touch all over this festival we do have and very fortunate to have a lot of wine vendors from uh around the world uh, a lot of chefs from around the nation uh, but there's a lot of locals out here so come through the culinary tents and um uh, the culinary tent um, and see the local purveyors. Quentin Middleton is out there, uh, just a beautiful knife maker. Um, and again, like these guys have been talking about for the last few minutes, you know, local beers. This is a beautiful park. So this is called Marion Square? Marion Square, yes. And w- what's some history about, about this, this park? So it used to be part of the Citadel right behind us. Uh, which is now a hotel, used to be the Citadel. So this used to be the parade field for uh, the Citadel back in the day. It's a great place. I'd like to uh, do a, a giveaway of the T-shirt to whoever's right. in the room right now. So we're going to give away a T-shirt. But um, w- would you like to think of a question that represents, you know, Charleston history that you'd like to ask? Who wants to take part of this trivia question? Come on. If you win, you, you're going to get <laughs> the T-shirt. So the um, think of a question that, that, you, that would represent Charleston to you as, as a real Charles, Charleston person. Put you on the spot. But. No, no, no. I think the first one for me when I moved here to, to Charleston, um, the one thing that is very identifiable to, in my belief, the area is a certain smell. And I... I it, <laughs> Wait, what is it? Pluff mud. Pluff mud. Pluff mud. It's the brackish areas of the coastline uh, when the tide is starting to go out. A very distinctive, and you just you know it, it's one of those things that when you when you come across the Crossgrove Bridge, uh, you're down uh, near the waterways. That is the one thing that uh, you smell. And you just kind of know that you're you're home. That and the ringing of the church bells. That's um, those are the things that kind of identify Charleston. Cam, who, who who got the answer? One of the ladies in the front. I think Come the on up, right you guys there get, with the, we got a t-shirt if you want it. Come on up. All right. Thank you. So Pluff Mud. I'd really like to know more about, you know, the lo- we talk about, lo- you know, low country cooking. We're going to be talking about uh, Chef Bill Neal later. Did, did you ever meet him? Were you I here did. Again? Tell us about him because I, I read the book Remembering Bill, Bill Neal in the early 2000s. His wife wrote that book. A lot of chefs started talking about him. But, um, you know, I know he passed too young. But t- tell us about what, what he did for Charleston and, and, and food around here. I think it just helped to set the benchmark and helped set the tone. Um, he, along with a lot of other chefs, have really had a great influence over our, our cuisine, our culture, our style of management, um, and has added greatly to the, to the culinary talents of the city. Yeah, and I know also we know uh, John Taylor, who uh, we, we also know as Hop and John. Yep. Uh, he had a restaurant here for a while, too, didn't he? He certainly did. And he's here this weekend for the festival, too. He is. And uh, we, another classic is Bertha's. It just won America's Classic with the James Beard Foundation, a little bit further up on the peninsula, 82 Queen, another great restaurant that's been here, tried and true for a very, very long time. Um, that's what really makes, those are the folks who we really do look up to are the, uh, you know, the 82 Queens, is the High Cotton, the Slightly North Abroad, led by Frank Lee, 
you know, we just have such a deep well of uh, true Charleston restaurateurs here. You're right about the church bells. On my way over this morning, it must have been around 11, 11 15, all, <laughs> all the bells around here were ringing. It, yep. It's a real special. Where are you from originally? Uh, a little bit of all over, born in Texas, I've lived abroad, um, but for the last 19, I moved back 19 years ago from, from Dallas, uh, Texas, and um, uh, we started the company Patrick Properties uh, just up the street here, uh, back in the days when uh, folks wouldn't even think about crossing Calhoun Street, and now um, you've got folks like Edmunds Oast that uh, is the, the, the next uh, line further up the peninsula, uh, keeping the movement going forward. I, I love any development that's north of me. <laughs> and what, So what is it called? It's called North Morrison? What's the yeah, district called? Uh, yeah, North Morrison, Nomo, you know, North, you know, yeah. The Neck. I think the is the, the old yeah, school yeah. name for it, but yeah. I, I got lucky, you know, it was just by chance that, that, that we met these guys because their partner is, uh, you know, his sister's from New York and used to sell beer up there. But but th- that's like the new mecca. They, they have you guys, Edmonds Oast, next door is Butcher and Bees, yep. there's uh, Ravelry Brewing, and w- what else is around there? It's, it's like the coolest place in Charleston. Lewis Barbecue uh, just opened up there, yeah. Oh, yeah, Lewis, absolutely spectacular. He's a he's a Texas home transplant. Team, right? Home yeah, team barbecue. So, yeah, home team barbecue, absolutely spectacular. Um, you know, we have, uh, what is it, Goat Sheep Cow. They moved up from the Broad Street area, and they have a new outpost up there. And Tattooed Moose has been oh, there for longer than they're anyone. They're the OG, That's man. That's a classic. OG. Big shout-out to Tattooed Moose, for sure. That Duck Club is is for real. You need that in your life. Good. So we're all going to be at this. We'll see you tonight at the Toasted. Event. Absolutely will. Yeah, 6 o'clock, 6 to 8 this evening. It is the, uh, a great just uh, coming together. Everybody kind of lets their hair down and just has a, has a really, really good time. You know, other chefs told me about some of the events they were part of that have already passed. I heard about the Shuck event, which oh, was yesterday. Yep. Where was that held? Because I heard that was one of the best events. Roasted oysters. That was a really popular one. Uh, last night, we also had the great tribute dinner to um, uh, Daniel Ballou, uh, which was very well attended. Um, another pioneer uh, in, in our industry. Great influences all across, uh, the, 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 uh, across America and, and the world. So, yeah. It was great. You want to say anything else? Or you want to hang out with us? No, just really. You know, you guys were here last year. I love this TP. Uh, really appreciate it. Appreciate your enthusiasm and truly what you do for, for, for our industry. It really means a lot to us. So thank you for coming out here. Give me a couple minutes on the mic. I, I appreciate it. Uh, and again, just shout out to, the, to my friends next to me here, Ed, Ed, Edmund Zost. You guys are just absolutely crushing it. Beautiful facility. Lots of thought went into um, b- building that. And um, you guys just have one of the best charcuterie programs that are here in town. So hats off to you guys for being as successful as you are. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thanks Thank you. so much, guys. I don't know. Are we uh, staying live, David, or are we going to take a break? We're going to take a short break here. We're back. Thanks for joining me on Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network, live from Charleston, Wine Food Festival. All right. Woo! Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.